Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey parents, we're glad to have you back with us for another edition of the Wonder of Parenting podcast. My name is Tim Wright. I am here as always along with Dr. Michael Gurian. Michael, welcome back to your podcast, The Wonder of Parenting. <laughs> That's our podcast. Yeah. Thank you. Welcome to yep. you. Um, we are going to dive into a couple questions today. One of the things that's been really delightful for us, uh, as we have been doing this now for a little over a year, is responding to your questions. And um, it seems like every time we hit a topic, there are two or three questions that come in to take us deeper, and we're glad to do that, uh, because parenting is always nuanced, and uh, every family situation is a little different, but the brain science can be very helpful for us, and uh, that's what Michael provides a lot of. So we're going to start with this first question comes from Sarah. She's a new mom. And uh, I think this is just a great question. Hi, I've been listening to your podcast every day since I discovered it a week ago. I love the message and find the content to be thought-provoking and rooted in science. I am a stay-at-home mom to an eight-month-old boy. I'm beginning to think about parenting and all it entails as my son becomes more engaged and develops his own personality. I'm also thinking of how I can nurture his masculine nature uh, nurture his nat- masculine nature being that I am a woman and think differently and the person he is the most engaged with every day until dad comes home at 4.30. Uh, when does discipline start for boys and what are some tools I can implement early on? Also, how can I nurture his nature as a stay-at-home mom? Thank you. Um, so she's a mom and recognizes that um, she's going to be wired a bit differently than this new boy in her life. And, um, you know, Michael, I think it might be good, uh, if possible, give us a, we've done this before, but it's always good to come back to this. Give us sort of a brain science definition of masculinity. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, uh, Well, I think masculinity is a social construct. So, so in terms of the brain science, I would just word it differently, although I know what you're saying. I'd word it somewhat differently. Okay. Because it's a social construct, um, and it it implies a, lean, a, a brain that leans more toward uh, stoicism, right? Instead of Got gushing it. about feelings, that it, masculinity implies you're a little more stoic. Um, you're not expressing your feelings all the time. It implies that you are... I, I think, as a social construct, it implies that you're humble, that you're um, self-sacrificing when necessary, you're willing to give everything you have for others. Um, it also implies some leadership qualities. Uh, you we really are trying to both lead and follow, but when you need to lead, you're trying to lead. And um, so I think that would be some of the pieces of the social construct. The 
the male brain, we talk about a different way. You know what I mean? I, I wouldn't talk about a masculine brain. Okay. Yep. Just Good. Just because it'd be different. One with sex on the brain and one is a social construct. Okay. So so let's talk about that. So, so uh, again, this mother recognizes that uh, internally, biologically, from a brain perspective, she's going to respond to life a little differently than her son. So what are, just again, some of those little nuances in the male brain that she's going to start discovering in her boy as he starts moving into years one, two, and three? Well, this early, he's just going to be himself. And her her job, as you know, it's just about attachment. You know, it's attachment and bonding. And don't, she doesn't actually really have to think about any of these things uh, they will take care of themselves. Don't, don't have to think about them until they start, until that personality starts requiring pushback or direction. Yep. And at eight months, not appropriate right now, right? It's not. Right. It's just all about holding and bonding and eating and <laughs> diapers and you know, it's all it's all bonding and attachment. But at a certain point, uh, getting toward two, then this this core personality starts coming out more. You see it more, and then there's the quote unquote terrible twos which is a misnomer but kids do get more independent and assertive and and then maybe she's starting to mold and direct but i i at that age things pretty much take care of themselves this this mom is so smart that um and so bonded that i think she's gonna know i will give some strategies but i just want to say i think parents can trust themselves you know with with an eight-month-old with a 12-month-old with just trust themselves that their bond is is happily dictating what this child needs and that they are reading the signals of the child and that's really all she has to do is read the signals of the child and thankfully um she doesn't have to um uh train his masculine nature uh, just kind of just shifting to her language she doesn't have to really do it certainly not yet and doesn't really have to do it because that too will probably take care of itself uh with dad uh, you know, the concept of bi-strategic parenting, where she gives the gifts she gives and doesn't necessarily need to engineer him, you know, um, socially engineer him. And dad's going to give the gifts he has. And I'm guessing that sort of by nature, they're going to be bi-strategic. They're going to parent a little differently. Dad's probably going to give a little more of that, of the masculine, let's say, uh, more of the stoicism, um, more of the um, of that of his form of self-sacrifice obviously the mom is sacrificing a great deal but his form this more male form or masculine form um uh the way males wield power and wield hierarchy is different than the way females do the dad will probably give that the son will model off the dad on that so um and then there will be grandpas and grandmas and there'll be other people involved so if this family stays by strategic in other words if they both parent the way they parent um and if right now all mom pays attention to is attachment, bonding, et cetera, then I think child's going to be okay. Now, in terms of strategies, though, um, as that personality emerges, the I really like redirecting for discipline, you know, uh, redirecting timeouts. We've had other conversations in the past, especially for little kids. You know, you don't, you're not really going to be using physical punishment. I mean, they're just too little for that. Um, so more about redirecting and having a timeout at eight months though, none of that, you know, not going to be any timeouts at eight months. What I, what I appreciate about Sarah is she's a a new mom and uh, you can just tell, you know, her heart is, I want to do this right. I want to raise my son to be 
a, a good man. I'm reading into her oh, yeah. note a yeah. lot, but that's what she's saying. It's she yeah. she really wants to to do uh, to to be a great mom, and uh, and, and she recognizes uh, she's female, and her son's going to be male, and that's going to uh, raise some interesting. Uh, differences and nuances in the way that she might look at life versus the way that he would. Um, and so I, I, I really appreciate, you know, your first words there that, you know, just be mom and just love your son. And I think a lot of times new moms in particular and new dads too, we can, we can get a little bit uh, nervous about, mm-hmm. you know, am I doing it right? But, but just oh, yeah. this, this um, you know, these words of calm for new moms, uh, whether they're a new mom for the first time or a new mom again, uh, it's always the same thing. I, I don't want to mess this up. <laughs> you know, I, I really want to do a good job. Um, and uh, so what are some things that, uh, from your perspective, new moms and dads can do to keep themselves rooted and healthy so that they can keep their kids rooted and healthy? Well, okay, now that's a, yeah, that's a really good point. Um, in terms of the parents and the kids, um Bonding and attachment is the thing to focus on, um, and and no other abstract social concepts. Just bonding and attachment, and then for, um, and then let that let that teach us what the child needs. Um, but then for us as parents, if it is possible, when the kids are really really young, it's not possible. But at eight months, it might be possible now for to have a date night, you know, mm-hmm. or to to make sure to take care of the partnership of the coupleship. Um, uh, so that each other's needs are met, and and if everything you know, all intimate things, including sex. I mean, you really have to start looking at okay, that's a way in which which partners are intimate. Have we started doing that again? If not, why not? You know, all the things that keep our coupleship happy uh, as much as it can be with everyone exhausted and overworked raising a child. You know, but still. Um, uh, put some of those rituals back into place so that the coupleship is strong. And if there are things that need to be talked about, you know, after the child has gone to bed and when people have recharged their brains, you know, sort of after a long day, uh, let's talk about those things. Let's communicate about those things. If there are resentments, I mean, it's not unusual for, for resentments to happen. One parent is is spending all the time with the child, let's say. Another parent is hardly ever there. Both of them can have resentments. Yep. The one who's not there is resentful of not being able to be with the child. And the yep. one, you know, I mean, anything, it, it, many permutation of any of this can happen. And so these resentments are, can be normal. Let's talk about them. And um, with dads, in a situation like this, what she's described, which is a more, which is a stay-at-home mom and then dad's working, in that situation, we always want to remember that we want dads bonded with kids and uh, historically and just naturally, elementally, fundamentally, a lot of what humanity has worked on is to try to make sure fathers stay bonded with kids um, uh, because moms, of course, have the child and, and are um, more completely bonded from, from that moment, right? Dads are a little outside of the process biologically. And so, of course, we're just as bonded as moms are, but it's different and we all know that. So we need to work on that too. make sure that that um dad is getting time with this child and uh, the story i always tell when i give talks about this is that i all i all i really needed to be bonded is i would i would do some work with the, my kids you know diapers or feed uh with the bottle and then they would fall asleep on my chest i would lie back yep. on the couch and they're little babies they would fall asleep on my chest mm. you know that was and and i was out working a lot and for a few of our years gil 
stopped seeing clients and was stay-at-home mom. So in those years, um, gosh, if I hadn't had, and if we hadn't made time for me as the dad to have those times where the baby fell asleep on my chest, and all of that amounted to 15, 20 minutes maybe, mm -hmm. but, but that, you know, so made sure I was bonded with his child. And so then this mom is asking this question, if that dad is bonded with this boy, then this boy is going to get from the dad, you know, the masculine nature stuff she's referring to over his lifespan. So protect the bond. I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah. And, and the bond of the couple, which is what you were bringing up. Right. I, I, uh, when, when Jan and I were young parents, we, we did what every young parent did. Of course, this was back before internet and we would read books and uh, we would go hear speakers once in a while, usually through our church uh, on parenting. Um, but one of the things that I've noticed today in this world of over-information is that uh, moms and dads tend to, and this might not be the right word, but overthink parenting because there's so much information out there and, and almost sometimes contradictory information that it can make your head spin right. if, uh, if you're not careful. And part of the reason why we're doing Wonder of Parenting is to try to bring some balance through brain science. But uh, can, can parents reach a point where they're, they're just thinking about it too much rather than just enjoying the moment? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Yeah, I, I, I was. I mean, I was the same way. Every parent, uh, uh, self-aware parent, you know, we do. We have a thousand expectations of ourselves with uh, with this child, and 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 yeah, sure, we are we are overthinking it to some extent. But we're we're kind of culturally forced to overthink it because, as you said, we're barraged, yep. and people will say, like, I mean, I can't tell you how many times to this day, my kids like yours, older, right? Fully grown. I, I, so I read parenting advice now just to study it. Like what are, what are people saying? And people say things that I think are just nuts, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and I don't know why they say it. So I go, oh, well, maybe there's some science, you know, maybe they know some science. I don't know. It's just their opinion. You know, yep. they're just, they're just smart people, bless them, giving yep. their opinion. Like the metaphor I have is the Einstein thing, you know, um, and, and the music, if you play music for your babies, right, they're going to become Einstein and, yep. and that whole thing. Well, just watch out for that, parents. The, I think the science is on the side of keep this simple. And, and for, for kids, you know, birth to two, let's say, I would, the advice I would give is attachment bonding. Uh, keep them away from devices so it doesn't uh, impede their brain development. You know, we don't want them staring into phones at, at a year old. Um, Keep them away from devices. Keep them attached and bonded. Give them, by the time they're two, give them boundaries and have expectations of how they um, uh, 
keep to those boundaries, discipline, right? Keep to those boundaries. Yeah, have that for sure. Um, but also give them some latitude and know that you're doing a good job and, and know that no matter what you do, no matter if you take every single person's advice, you are still going to feel like you blew it. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, right. So, so, and that that is the only truth that is the truth. <laughs> so, so why not just do four or five things really well with your child rather than try to do fifty? Since either way, you're going to feel so imperfect. <laughs> And just keep listening to the Wonder of Parenting podcast, and Michael will be your sage and your guide and uh, your guru through all things parenting. Uh, it, this does really segue well to our next question, uh, and uh, I'll, I'll bring that up in a moment. First of all, I, I, I want to uh, say a special thanks, as we do every week, to our sponsors. They're the ones who really make it possible for us to come to you free of charge week after week with the Wonder of Parenting podcast. And our sponsor is the, the Place of Hope, the center. Uh, and uh, it's on our website, wonderofparenting.com, wonderofparenting.com, a place of hope, the center. Up in the Seattle area, Greg Jantz, uh, who we've interviewed on this program before, good friend for both of us. And he just does such marvelous work uh, helping people navigate some of life's really tough issues. And if you ever are going through anything, and you want a place to start, go to wonderofparenting.com and then hit the link to A Place of Hope. And they've got some resources to at least get you started. And uh, they can help uh, guide you and lead you if you need that as well. I also want you to know, uh, once again, that we've got a Helping Boys Thrive Summit coming up in Minneapolis, February 29th. And uh, Michael and I will both be there, helpingboysthrive.org backslash Minneapolis, helpingboysthrive.org backslash Minneapolis. And we're going to be in Indianapolis area sometime in April. We'll tell you more about that a little bit later. So uh, the reason why I think that we seg nicely into this next question is because it has to do with nurture versus nature. And this question actually came to us on our Facebook page. And if you're not on our Facebook page, you'll want to go there. Uh, and you can do that through wonderofparenting.com. And so here's the question. How do you identify which characteristics are built in? I mean, stubbornness, for example. How can you make sure it's part of a kid's personality and not a response to your parenting style or a trauma or the age as in defiance? Or take a shy kid. Is this his personality? Or has he uh, at home an authoritative parent and the kid is afraid or lacks confidence because it hasn't been built yet or hasn't been demolished or it has been demolished? And so therefore he's shy. So nurture the nature, but how do you identify what is nature and what is the result of the surrounding context? All right. Let's see if you can earn your keep on this one. <laughs> okay. Um, great question. I I lean on the side as as folks may know I lean on the side of of um, you know innateness of of genetics um, in in terms of personality I think most of us who are science based do um, none of us are nature versus nurture because it's nature and nurture and as you know I'm nature nurture and culture so I I I actually divide it into three influences on the core self development of a child and. Um, and personality development. However, it does start in the genes. So, and the ones that sh that sh that she gave were um, relatively easy ones, like shyness, uh, introverted. Okay, so that yes, those those are genetic markers. Uh, extroverted, genetic markers for that. And um, can she said an authoritative parent? Generally, an authoritative parent is not going to harm 
the personality development of the child. An authoritarian one could. Mm -hmm. And so the distinction being that authoritarian is more like tyranny. You know, it's more like total control. And um, and even the rulemaking is unreasonable. Uh, you know, you if you do this this little thing, you're going to be punished. Um, and, and that's just power control. It has to do with the personality defect in the parent. And it can be dangerous to core self-development. But authoritative parenting, which I recommend, authoritative parenting is the child does need to respect you. And when, and and you don't like like the child can't hit you, you know. The child has to respect your authority. You have to give the child consequences, right? Uh, if the child does something that the rules are promulgated, the child broke the rules. The rules are reasonable, right? The child broke the rules, and the child is going to experience some form of discipline. That's authoritative parenting, and that is not going to traumatize a child's brain development that does allow the child's core self and core personality to flourish now permissive parenting um uh you know we have the three right authoritarian authoritative and permissive permissive parenting is interesting because permissive parenting i think can affect child's personality development because it's so everything is so fluid um that the child i think is having to navigate too much too young um, and so can't really focus internally on its own core personality development. It's trying to figure out what the boundaries are and what are the rules and what do I do and how do I flourish and how do I succeed. And so I'm not a fan of either authoritarian parenting or permissive parenting. Um, and I think they directly uh, could mitigate the kind of core personality development that this this person wants for her child but the aspects of it like whether the child is agreeable conscientious this is called the big five if people want to look it up on google the big five personality types you know those are of course have a genetic root and um being a judger being a perceiver you know all of these things have genetic markers mm. so it all does start in your genome what you got from mom, dad, and those lines, those family lines. And and when we look at core personality with a child, um, and I'll, so I'll, I'll be concrete about my kids. You know, I look at my two kids, Gabrielle and Davida. Gail and I can see personality genetics that came from each of us, very clear. And we can even see pieces of our grandparents, you know, I'm sorry, our child's grandparents, our parents. We go, oh yeah, boy, that's just like my mom, or that is just like my dad. Uh, Right. And, and and I think every parent can make that a kind of puzzle to solve because you can see your as your child develops, you can see the personality developing and you can see bits of the genes and the genome showing through. Does that make sense? This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality for your most precious gift. Hannah soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. Yes. Uh, so 
my first question would be, um, when do you begin to see core personality coming out in a child? And and I'm going to ask that to set up my second question, which will be then, um, what signs do you look for that something isn't right when you see the personality changing? And that could be a part of what she's asking here. So let's say you've got uh, a child who's been very, very outgoing and then suddenly becomes shy and introverted and withdrawn. Uh, is that a signal that something's happened? So when do you kind of mm-hmm. begin to identify that core self so that you know that something has happened to damage the core self? Yeah. And we were talking a few weeks ago about trauma. Um, and and so that is, so we looked at parenting styles, right? Author- I think a authoritarian parenting and permissive parenting can have a negative effect on personality development. The other thing that, uh, and, and other things can as well, uh, sort of the thing we can isolate would be trauma. Um, and and you've just hinted at it. If a child's personality is seeming to suddenly change, and let's say the child was outgoing, but now is hiding in his or her room all the time and won't, won't come out, is isolating, withdrawing, uh, the child... Or the child was shy, yes, but now the child is totally isolating. Um, uh, or, or the child was sort of medium amount of anger, you know, and frustration that any child would have. But now suddenly this child is constantly angry. Yep. So these sorts of things, you you certainly could look at whether there is a whether we're seeing some kind of personality disorder showing up. Um, uh, the first thing I would look at though would be trauma, and see if the child has been traumatized in some way the child could have a sort of aggregate or accumulated trauma from a parent from parenting styles that actually are not a fit for this child that is possible like too much permissive parenting and kids do start acting out you know especially as they get eight nine ten toward adolescence um too authoritarian definitely the kids can withdraw or act out um uh, so it could come from that, and and however, it could come from bullying, it could come from cyberbullying, the trauma that is, it could come from um, sexual abuse, child abuse, definitely. Um, it it can come from any of those traumas, and they can be affecting core personality development. So yeah, if you see a personality change, look for trauma. So So would we see by age two, uh, that core personality beginning to show itself, or is it age three? Oh. When do we kind of see that? Right. Sorry, that was the first part of your. Yeah, I went that's to right. the end part. Yeah, yeah. yeah uh, the core personality is going to come out really soon, <laughs> and we're going to misread it. And so, it both it's a both and. So, like eight months old, twelve months old, some parents will already say, "Oh yeah, man, I can really," uh, well, like a colicky baby. Well, that's part of actually core personality. You know, of that colic is going to go away. But there's going to probably be an assertiveness to this child. You know, there's going to be an extroversion, perhaps, to this child. There's some correlation there. You know, a lot of these things, um, we're already going to go, wow, I wonder if this child is going to be like blank. Um, Because we're reading their signals. We're reading their personality, and you can see it. Um, My daughter, Davida, we called already by, I'm sure it was one, 10 months to 12 months, somewhere in there, I think we started calling her Tigger because she just is so bouncy. She's so physical and she would bounce, right? So Tigger from Winnie the Pooh. And that was like a nickname. We all had fun with it. She loved it. Um, uh, We started that very early because you could already see. And and so now she's in the climbing industry. You know, she's very, (laughs) she climbs. She rope climbs, rock climbs, all that, and manages uh, 
assistant managers, a climbing gym, etc. So, so like that was already coming out that tiggerness, which became this physicality of her and now has become part of her profession. So yes, uh, you can start seeing it very early. But remember that we misread things. So everyone has right. to be ready for that. Uh, we've all done that. Like I've thought about my kids. Oh, she's so-and-so or she's so-and-so. Like I actually thought Davida would be a lawyer because <laughs> she from very early loved to argue. And yep. she's more like me that way. I'm an arguer. And and she's definitely like me. Gail and I laugh about how Davida's like me in that way. But Gabrielle became the lawyer, you know, and Davida's not becoming a lawyer. So, you know, we make mistakes in our assessments of our kids. Sure. So, so I and, you know, the green model is always a good one. It's, it's nature, nurture, and culture or community. Um, where does birth order come in? So, if I've got a core self and I'm born, um, the firstborn, which I was, um, does my core personality, is it shaped differently once I started having siblings? Because there, there do seem to be, not always, but there seem to be some trans firstborns tend to be like, mm-hmm. middle child tends to be yep. like. So how does that work? Oh, yeah. Birth order is, so birth order is a combination of nature and nurture, Um I think there could be some culture in it, but I think that would be on that one, not as big a wraparound. It's going to mainly be nature and nurture. And when I say wraparound for folks, what I mean is nature is at the core yep. and then nurture wraps around it, right? Trying to nurture the nature of the child. And then culture wraps around nurture and nature. So so on birth order, that's why I'm saying I don't think culture has a huge effect. I think it's more nature and nurture. So the child... Uh, the typical one, the old, the firstborn is taking care of everyone else, let's right. say, right? And the firstborn is a char- hard charging, go forward, uh, successful, etc. Now, that is a pattern, and there's there's definitely correlation. There's good science on that, and anyone can look that up and get good books on birth order. At the same time, it does not always work. Right. So it's not as if, so there is some nature in that. It's not as if, well, because you nurtured your firstborn. To do that, all firstborns will do that. Um, uh, the, that child also has to have some nature there, has to have some personality to be that person, that typical firstborn. Right. Similarly, yes. the, the middle, yeah, similarly the middle, that middle child who tends, tends to be, you know, according to this research, which again, I think is good, robust research, tends to be um, uh, the mediator. Okay, that would make sense. If you have three kids, one's in the middle, tend to be the mediator. But... Um, there are a lot of secondborns who are not mediators, so they gotta they gotta already have that mediating nature in them, and then their birth order is bringing that out, right? And so it's nature and nurture working together, and and everything about our kids we always want to remember is nature, then nurture wraps around that, and then culture wraps around that, right? And as I've proven over and over again to my siblings, who we we all pretty much follow that pattern of birth order uh the firstborn's always the smartest as well and uh it, it's just kind of the way it goes and you have to live with it that's uh, the way it. it is and and of course the firstborns we always have to live with the the lastborns getting away with everything all the attention yeah, yeah, all the right. attention yep and they you know no, no curfews you know no right. rules because mom and dad after child number five they're just worn out so that's the way it happens <laughs> that's true 
Um, now, we, remember, people, that wasn't the science part. He was oh, ribbing oh, us. Oh, was that, is that what it was? Okay. <laughs> That's right. Michael's science. Uh, Tim is Tim is uh, more just, this is my experience. That's right. So um, we we really, as always, we really appreciate these questions, and, and they give us a chance to kind of zero in on a question and then speak more broadly. And these are two really good ones, and we'll come back to these topics over and over again, I'm sure. Uh, so, Michael, thank you very much for your insights today. Oh, thank you, Tim. And thanks again to our sponsors, A Place of Hope up there in the Seattle area, wonderofparenting.com, where you can access them. You can send us questions. You can access our Facebook page and other resources. And we look forward to being back with you again for episode number 67 uh, in the Wonder of Parenting podcast. I'm Tim Wright, along with Dr. Michael Gurian. Thanks for listening, and have a great thanks. week. Thanks, everyone.